Welcome back to the Women's National League show with FinalWhistle.ie. My name is Alana Canan and I'll be bringing you tonight's programme where we have plenty to look forward to and back on after round one of action. First off, we'll be speaking to DLR Waves' new signing, Lynn Craven, who made a splash on her club debut when she scored a goal and played a big part in their 5-0 win against Treaty on Saturday. Then we'll be joined by P-Mount's Neve Burke, who kept a clean sheet at the weekend against Sligo Rovers and is here for a catch-up a year on from the last time she spoke with the show with uh, Brefney and Stephanie. And finally then, we'll catch up with Julianne Russell of Galway WFC before jumping into a, re- a review and preview with Final Whistle reporter Sean Comer. Let's kick off. So, Lynn, delighted to have you here today. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. And a great start to your DLR career at the weekend, nabbing one at the end of a corner there against Treaty a few minutes before halftime. A dream debut, some would say. Jesus, yeah. Um, I don't score that often, so it's a bit of a shock. But um, no, I couldn't have asked for a better debut. Obviously, was delighted to get the goal, um, delighted to get the start. And then even both ends, to score five um, against a good treaty side, we were all delighted. And then on the opposite end, to keep a clean sheet as well. And um, we couldn't have asked for a better first game. So we're already looking forward to going to, into the next one against Sligo. Mm, and were you excited to kind of get going after, I suppose, all the build-up of pre-season? There's a lot of hype around the league and... I, I'm guessing anyways, uh, good to get going. Yeah, exactly. We couldn't wait. Um, I think we felt ready as well. Um, Graham and Solo and stuff, they had us they had us prepared and ready to go on the pitch and off the pitch. Um, we had loads of fitness to be doing. Um, the preparation on the pitch, we were working on defending, working on finishing, and you could see that paid off um, at the weekend. And then obviously, like, off the pitch, we had um, our analysis done. So we just felt prepared and, and you could see on the, on the day that it showed. So, yeah, we were delighted. And it was such a big move as well. You went out on such a high with your previous club, Wexford, and I've heard you talk about before, like they were some of the most enjoyable years you've had in football. Why then did you feel it was kind of time to make the change? Yeah, as you said, it, it probably was my most enjoyable time with football and it kind of just came to the travelling in the end. Um, going from Dundalk to Wexford, it, it wasn't easy. Um, and then especially now I'm, I'm a qualified teacher. So as soon as I started my job, it just it became, it just wasn't possible anymore. Um so I think I said it before that it was one of the hardest decisions to leave. But as soon as that decision was made and I knew I'd go to a team closer to home, it was an easy decision coming to DLR. And it's a decision that I'm so happy with now and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, you mentioned there that it comes down to travel, but I suppose the time as well as the money, do you think there's kind of practical aids that could come in there maybe to help players kind of balance all the work and travel and everything with football? Yeah. Yeah, obviously, like money's a big thing, but time, I know for me traveling that far, like a home game was three hours away. Um, yes. So obviously, like things could be put in place. I know with us now, um, like a couple of the girls in DLR tonight, they were in the gym with Solo. Um, but at home, like we have that option to do our gym gym programs at home. So at least I don't have to travel tonight again to Dublin, then again tomorrow. So there's small changes being made, but definitely with DLR, we are being accommodated, you know, like we have that option to do our gym program at home and then everybody's at the pitch Tuesday and Thursday. So yeah, there's definitely things being done. Yeah. It's interesting that you say kind of clubs are trying to make that accommodation. I suppose it's ever increasing professionalism, although it is still amateur in the women's national league. Would that be kind of fair yeah, to say? Exactly. Yeah. I think we're, we're doing the best that we can with what we have. Um, so I think it is definitely going in, in the right direction. Hopefully we can get to professionals at some stage. And then what it is at that um, stage, we'll be able to step it up given the time um, and the effort that we put in. But for now, it's the, the teaching, that's the protocol. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, see, I see there on Twitter, your former teammate, Sinead Taylor, had up the classic scores when she wants, coaching <laughs> on your impressive uh, goal there at the weekend. Um, what's it like knowing that I suppose in the Women's National League it's so commonplace to bump into not only players from Wexford but kind of who people you've played with at other teams at different levels sprinkled throughout the league you know them all too well yeah you kind of know everybody in the league now I think really Sligo they're kind of the new team um, that we don't know much about but obviously you recognize some of the names Um, but yeah it's mad obviously girls that I've played international with played different clubs with like we're all back together now you know like Kate Mooney she'd be one of my best friends and we grew up with shells together and then when we both went their different ways we kind of thought that was it and um, but now we're both back at DLR so it's kind of every year there was a lot of changes this year and um, so you're bumping mm. into people every week you go to so I suppose it's good that you know the players as well you kind of know what to expect but on the other end they know you as well so it goes both ways you're able to suss each other out then yeah 
exactly. Um, you mentioned there there's a lot of changes, um, especially in the off season just gone. Like even DLR have made a lot of those signings, and I suppose uh, due to those marquee kind of transfers, they've been dubbed kind of a lot of people's dark horses. Um, how have you guys gelled together so far? Do you think? Yeah, really good. Um, I think we're all like a, a really close team now. And obviously with COVID, it was hard to get team bonding going and stuff. Um, but every chance we could, like there was times just after training, we'd all go for a coffee or go for a carvery. I think we all went for dinner one day. Um, so just anything we can get to, to try and get together. And obviously the girls that have come in um, have made massive, massive impacts. Like even seeing Sarah McEvitt coming off the bench and, and getting three assists. And um definitely I think altogether the girls were so so welcoming to us and Graham and the boys like everybody just welcomed us in straight away and we all were getting on really well and I think that's shown on the pitch too and um like with that in mind then Ellen how do you kind of deal with as I said there kind of the expectations that come along with that like given there has been so many sign-ins with DLR there's kind of been a jump in expectations kind of for them to notch up the ladder this season yeah, obviously, I think we have high expectations of ourselves. Um, I think it kind of took people by surprise, maybe the 5-0 win. Um, and now people are starting to talk about us now. But from the first day of pre-season, we had really high expectations. Um, and that came from the management straight away with the intensity of training and the programmes that they were giving us. So we're happy to have the high expectations um, and the competition in the team because it makes us perform better. So, yeah, hopefully we can just stick to those expectations and, and compete for the league. You mentioned earlier the international setup as well, Lynn. Is that kind of something you're gearing towards maybe this season on a personal level as well? Yeah, I think that's always a hope for everybody playing mm-hmm. football. Like the end goal is to to play internationally. Um, but just at the moment, I'm just really focusing on DLR and I'm really enjoying my football. And hopefully I can put in good performances each week. And then if that comes with it, I'd only be delighted. But, you know, I'm kind of just taking it each week as it is and then see what comes from that. And obviously, like a lot of other teams have strengthened too, for example, let's say Galway and P-Mount. Do you think there's been a step up in quality in the in the league in recent years? I mean, it's obviously always an issue, people going overseas. But like that aside, do you think there's been a jump in um, in the quality of football here at home? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you can even see it in the like a couple of years ago. I know when I first started, my 16 or 17, it was just kind of, P-Mount, Wexford, Shelburne, but now every game you go into, um, there's quality in every team and you could see that, for example, with Bows and, and Shells, um, it was just a 1-0 win with a, with a late winner, so I don't think it's going to be an easy league this year and there's no game that you can go into saying, you know this is it, this is three points guaranteed I think every week you're going to have to fight and you're going to have to battle and it just makes it the league so much more interesting, so definitely do you think the, the quality's increased That's applicable as well to DLR I think as well, like you've a lot of young players but also kind of a bit of experience there as well Um, you mentioned there the Carvery earlier what's the team dynamic like uh, down there in, in UCD no it's really good yeah no um, the dynamic's brilliant like it's, as you said the youth and the experience you wouldn't know like the difference everybody everybody talks to everyone and you have players as young as Joy coming in who got the the two goals and then can't really say any old players experience more experienced <laughs> players that would that would chat to her like she's their own age you know that kind of way so um, literally everybody gets on there's nothing nothing between anyone and you can you can go sit anywhere in the dressing room and, and get along so it's really really good and um, coming into this weekend then I know Sligo are aiming for a record attendance is that reflective do you think of the increased atten- or increased attention on the league as a whole that even you know TG Cahar came in last year and they brought a lot of eyes to the league but the LOI TV and attendances have seen record numbers too um, like, what, what's your reaction to that as a player? Do you kind of take that on board or do you kind of block it out on a match day, I guess? Um, like, for me personally, as soon as the whistle goes, you kind of forget what's going on and you forget that the game's been recorded until you get home and you have to watch it back. But um, I definitely think it's down to the, the increased exposure. And we have heard that, you know, we're expecting a, a big crowd from Sligo and I think that will really help them on the day. Um, so it's definitely not going to be easy. And um, you know that that extra crowd can can play as an extra man so we're definitely expecting a big crowd to that but like we'll enjoy it as well you know there's nothing better than when there's a good atmosphere at a game so we'll take it in as they will because it's a big occasion for them and a new team uh, you don't know much about as as you said there what do you kind of take into account then when you're facing them I know you guys will have your ambitions but like heading to Sligo now 
and talk about travel time that'll that'll be a bit of a, a bit of a track cross country but um yeah how do you see how do you see that one playing out as you said in front of an expected big crowd yeah we're really looking forward to it um we were really happy with the performance last week so we've kind of we've parked that we did our analysis on ourselves last night going through what we did well and what we can improve on and then tomorrow we'll kind of more focus on Sligo um and then obviously as you said the the long travel down on the bus we'll yeah. kind of switch off we'll we'll enjoy ourselves and that but um we know it's not going to be easy like Sligo are a new team but we actually played them in a in a pre-season friendly and they proved to be a really really tough team and um, with some some really good players some names that you'd know well and then some that we didn't but they were really good young players so we know as I said earlier there's no easy game and with the extra crowd it is going to be a tough one so we just have to bring the performance that we did last week into into this week Brilliant. Well, thanks for sharing those two bits anyways, Len, and best of luck for the season. Perfect. Thanks so much. Now, Neve, and uh, we're now joined by Neve Rebrick of PMH United. Neve, thanks for coming on the show. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. It was a big statement of intense, intent there from Pease at the weekend with the big one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Look, I think everyone was just delighted to get going again. Um, I think it's always difficult playing uh, training during pre-season in the winter months. You're just trying to get going again. So, um, yeah, there's been big changes in the squad and lots of new faces coming in. So it was good to just get some pitch time. And a clean sheet on the board, as I previously mentioned there, after six in total last year. Nice to get that in motion, I'm sure. And uh, after one game, sure, you're well on on your way to last year's number already. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's the first game of the season that there's always a few nerves of just, like, hoping that you remember what to do. <laughs> so, uh, so that was always nice to just get that out of your system. And then also just to get a clean sheet was definitely a bonus because there's been previous seasons where we've conceded unnecessarily or um, from maybe defensive mistakes. So that was a nice uh, a nice start to the, to the season. Yeah, and on that then, I suppose, um, last year you were sharing the jersey with Nisha. Um, was it frustrating at times there, Neve? I know there was kind of a big intention of rotation last year at P-Mount, but not playing week in, week out and rotation with Nisha, Nisha for the games. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like, it, like as a player you just always want to be on the pitch and I, I I suppose even though it was frustrating at least it was with one of the best humans you can have as uh, as another player so uh, me and Nisha were always re- were really good friends so uh, that made it slightly easier um, but then at the same time you are competing for the same spot so we just always focused on um, like doing our best in, the, in training and knowing that whatever we do wasn't affecting um, our relationship it was preference by the manager for whatever match and I suppose that's when when you're in that situation it's really the only thing you can um, focus on and just deliver when you're when you're given the opportunity. Sorry, I think you you lagged out there for me for a second, but um one of the one of the best humans is a compliment I'm sure anyone would take. And um, what was your reaction then to see see her get that move then overseas? Do you know, like I, I definitely think if anyone has an inkling of doing doing it, it's like now seems to be the time. Um there's the options and the uh yeah, I suppose that the clubs over there have a lot of backing to do it. Uh, so I was just really proud. Um, obviously, it was like it was kind of bittersweet because, uh, mm. yeah, you're losing a uh, losing a friend and a good player, and she's been a huge personality in the club, and um, not just on the team, but for the club and and her family supporting the team as well. So uh, her mom still popped down, popped was at the game on Saturday and things <laughs> like that. So it was it was nice to see, uh, and we and we keep in regular contact. So. Uh, yeah, it, a, a couple of a couple of players have come and gone last season, and and yeah, it's always a tough one to take. And I suppose your the relationship aside, because given off that, it seems to be a, have been a great one. Like, would you say what do you take into that debate then? When you know, if you guys hadn't been switching up, one of you guys may have been up for let's say the Golden Glove and vice versa, because these were so dominant in defence. What's what's that? What's your reaction to that? I guess because. You know, arguably, you would have been up there had it not been the case. 
uh, yeah, I fire my belly this time, <laughs> this time <laughs> around. So <laughs> I suppose, uh, I suppose the good thing is, is that I, it makes me just eager now. Um, mm. And and again, it was kind of one of those things where I knew it wasn't going to be an option for either one of us. If he had probably pulled our scores together, we'd have been up there, but um, it probably wasn't an option either one of us with the rotation that we were doing. Um, so we just focused on other things and uh, obviously winning the league was the main focus, which didn't happen. So, uh, yeah, we've got a few, a few uh, uh, I suppose, goals to overcome this year and hopefully we can deliver. And you touched on there the, the heartache, I guess, of last season. Um, are you yeah. kind of over that just yet or is it still a sore point? Yeah, I think it always, <laughs> it'll always be a sore point. Um, but, you know, like, uh, yeah, I, I think everyone will agree with how just how tough last year was as a year in general. Um, and, and I suppose like we were affected badly like everyone else with uh, sickness with COVID and um, mm. even like Lauren O'Callaghan broke her leg the week of uh, second last week of the of the league. Um, yeah, and then and then obviously just <laughs> our our team were getting raided with professional contracts, so uh, it didn't help the situation. And uh, to be honest, towards the end, it, it, fe- it felt like we were just grinding out, grinding out results, and not playing our best. Um, mm. So I suppose, although we did throw it away, it shouldn't reflecting on it now. It shouldn't really have been too much of a surprise because um, there were the warning signs there. So. Uh, it's I suppose this year it's just about learning from that and and you can never you can never have learned everything in the game so um yeah I'm I'm particularly uh particularly like sore on that note but uh, hopefully we can get things back on track and obviously we've got a huge game this weekend playing against Galway who gave us that hiding so uh, yeah I'm I'm looking forward to that one. So so you're out for revenge this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a joke going around there on uh, on in uh, what's it called Twitter earlier on about uh, they've they've five stuck in their head or whatever. So <laughs> we'll definitely have to sh- we'll definitely have to show up and uh, and I, I I'd say it'll be a, a great game to watch. Like they're a great side and they prove that they have the young talent that has come through as well as uh, some really experienced players. Um, and like ourselves, we've we still have a very experienced players on the bench and in the squad and a lot of good youth as well so I'm sure that uh, that'll all be on display on Saturday. I've brought in quite a few new signings as well Um, on that note like how does that kind of factor into the squad as you said because it's already very competitive and like the team will be pushing as you say for for those big goals and how does that kind of factor into the squad on a on a daily basis especially now these first few games? Yeah, um, it's definitely, it's probably a very open squad because the young talent, that's the most obvious thing that I've seen is the amount of Mm. really young girls coming through that are very high quality. You could easily start and there's like, it's not just one or two now. You could could nearly name like seven, eight, nine players that are good enough to start that are, that are young. And I, and I suppose uh, bringing that into the squad and the amount of energy that that, uh, that brings, you kind of have to, it's a positive, but then at the same time manage that energy as well. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting, but it's just focusing and like kind of basically engaging that energy in the right, right way. Um, and I hopefully that will come with the experienced players in the squad. Um, but it'll be an exciting, uh, I'd say there'll be a lot of people developing with it being their first Women's National League um, this year. And I'd say it'll be the same. And like even Sligo, like um, I know that it, was, it, it wasn't the scoreline that they would have wanted last weekend, but they're going to learn really quickly and they'll develop very quickly because um, you can see that they have like their managers are well set up and they've got great uh, experience in there where like Emma Hansbury and things so when she's back fit that'll be another asset to them so I think it's right across the league in that way and it's one of the, uh, the I suppose the best things about the development at the moment. And you mentioned there the the young guns I suppose coming up the ranks uh, Nisha out the door but Summer, Summer Lawless coming along yeah. up alongside you there and um, what's that like kind of um, I suppose pulling in the next generation and um, sharing your vast experience with someone who's playing alongside you. Yeah, it, it definitely keeps you on your toes. Like, I, like I suppose the really good thing is with PMA, Like, I've never uh, felt a guaranteed place in the in the starting team, and 
uh, and it's now different when Nisha gone. Like Summer is 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 so good, and she's she's really young, but you can see it in her. She's confident, and uh, her kicking ability is is great, which I think is 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 like the the upcoming like kind of asset or attribute that a goalkeeper needs to have, and she mm-hmm. has that in abundance. And yeah, I I'm hoping that like some of the some of the, the things the like skills that she can do, I'm hoping to pick up on as well. So. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to stay on my toes. <laughs> I thought I thought I might have a few easy games now that Nishi was gone, but that was somewhere around. <laughs> <laughs> and you touched on there the kicking aspect and all those, um, I suppose, upcoming traits that accompany being a goalkeeper. I've heard it argued recently that you know the goalkeeping regime in Ireland may need a bit of work, kind of coaching wise. Do you think that's the case? I suppose in your experience from grassroots right up to senior level. Yeah, like I definitely think so. I think like as a nation, we seem to be uh, a nation that produces very high quality goalkeepers. And mm-hmm. it's it's seen in the men's game and in the women's game. Like I'd say one of the best players, that women's player that's ever been produced in the country is Emma Byrne. And uh, so we definitely have the calibre. And you can see that when you look at the underage Irish squads, that not, not only now do they have an excellent one, but there's nearly like is it even a number one number one and number two are getting as much game time so I definitely think that the like the talent is there and uh I I know for myself I haven't gone into coaching yet but uh we've recently had another goalkeeper join our our team and and he's excellent so I think that once that we are the goalkeepers ourselves are given the right goalkeeping coaches will push on and push on and you'll see it now and I think uh we might have gone through a low period of 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 producing these top quality goalkeepers but you can see it in the in the young sides coming through um and then and yeah and and if you even look at the the women's setup at the moment there seems to be four or five goalkeepers in the women's national team squad uh, on a constant basis so i know they're not short on uh, on talent either yeah i actually saw the um new coach there coming in i think it was on your twitter i came across it but um was that a foreshadowing to coaching there yourself <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. It's a hard job, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know if I, I'm ready for that yet. I'll stick with playing for the next little while anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, such a mass amount of games as well. Um, we touched on there, Summer Lawless, um, maybe in the international setup. But, obviously, you announced your retirement from that kind of side of things last year. Looking back on the phenomenal year they had in 2021, do you miss it now, maybe, a bit? Uh, yeah, like I think you always, as as a player, you're like, oh, geez, what if, what if? But um, no, I I think when I look back and reflect on, uh, like it's it's nearly, I think it's actually a full year now that I've I've retired. Mm-hmm. Is that in in March twenty twenty one? Is it? Uh, yeah, I was I was feeling major burnout, and it's just I it it comes back to like I I'm I I don't I'm not a professional player. I have a full time job. Mm. And yeah, trying to keep up being an international athlete and performing for your club and performing for your uh, company, it's quite demanding. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I could feel myself like burning out and like burning the candle at both ends, they were kind of saying. Mm. So um, yeah, I just, I felt like I wasn't able to give my best to any of it if if it continued on that way. So um, on that on, on that side of things and just personal reasons I feel it's it was definitely the right decision for myself and looking in from the outside in then Eve um even the announcement Sky made the other day that you know they're they they declared a fund which is going to support players academic studies and careers off the pitch um do you think that's kind of conducive to a less burning the candle kind of environment like I saw even I think it was Chloe Masaki on Twitter said for instance that it's one of the most progressive initiatives she's witnessed in the sport and that it's a commitment to footballers as people as well as players like would you agree with that I definitely and obviously Chloe being in the squad would obviously have more of the information Mm. I literally have only read it like yourself today and uh, so I don't know too much of the information, but from the out- outlook, it looks really promising because, to be honest, a- anything is better than nothing. And something to start it off, you can only push on from there. So I think it was five players are getting bursaries to back up their academics. And uh, I'd be really interested to know more about on the career side of things, what support they're giving, because uh, I've always thought that I think like to retain some of the 
talent in the league, it's not impossible to do because yeah. as female players, we're not going over on these crazy money contracts that the men are getting. So it's really attainable. I know it seems a long way for, for right now, but it's really attainable to keep the talent in the league because it's not the same kind of expenditure as it would be in in the men's side of football. Um, so with Sky stepping in here, it's just hopefully going to pave the way for more companies to do. It doesn't have to be the, the women's national team sponsor or like even having dual careers, like some of the big multinationals, could they come in and, and offer flexible contracts to players mm. to allow them to compete at like a semi-professional level uh, while continuing to work living in Ireland and then it would only benefit the, the national team if our league is stronger. And having played in the WNL then even nearly from the very beginning, how far do you think that kind of thing maybe will be off? Like, is it something you'd like to see in the coming years or something maybe yeah. further down the line? I, I, I'm going to be, someone might say longer down the line, but there, it can't be soon enough. I think the ball is rolling in the right direction and just keep it going because I think if we could get this in the next two years um, and it doesn't, like when I say two years, like get something there on the plate in two years time um obviously if it was a year it'd be even better but <laughs> i won't be too uh too yeah over like waiting for it to happen too quickly but um if we if we could get in the next two years something there and then work on improving that again it doesn't have to be perfect from the from the get-go mm. um but i i definitely think like like i i, I don't know out of the top of my head up I, I guess around maybe 10 players of excellent talent last year probably went professional and most of them over to England. So yeah, I, if we could stop hemorrhaging those 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 players and keeping them here, it, it can't come too soon. As you said, rated with the professional contracts, it's only testament <laughs> to how good the players are. But um we've Julian yeah, exactly. Russell on next and we mentioned Thanks. the revenge card earlier on. Uh, how do you assess this one coming up now at the weekend? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I didn't hear that one. Could you repeat that? Yeah, um, the beauty of a live show there. Um, so, yeah, as I said, um, we, we mentioned the revenge card on Galway earlier on, and we've Julian Russell up next. So uh, how do you assess that one against the Westerners this weekend? Yeah, I don't. You, honestly, when you go down there, like, or when they come up to us, you don't, you, you don't know what you're going to get. They're always so dogged. They never give up. Um yeah, it's one of the teams that uh, probably are the ones that make me most nervous to play against. So uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it because uh, it's going to be it's it's such a challenge. It's the second game of the 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 league. These are this is the one that basically we need to play our best, and it'll prove whether what we've what we've I suppose looked at as failures last year and worked on. Um, whether they've been addressed or not, and and I'm really looking forward to. It. I know the the Galway girls will. So, uh, yeah, we we'll just have to bring our A game and see uh see if we can come out with a result. A fantastic one for the neutral, anyways. Um, great Definitely. stuff, Eve. Thanks for joining us again this evening. Thanks, Emil. Now, we're now joined by Julian Russell of Galway WSC. Some foreshadowing there, Julian, to the weekend by Nevery Burke of P-Match United. Um, how are you getting on this evening, first of all, I guess? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks a million for having me, Lana. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure to chat. Perfect, yeah. So as um, we were touching on there, Galway were off to a flyer last weekend against Cork and a goal for yourself too. Maybe a sign of things to come? Yeah, it was a great start to the season. Um, I suppose it's only the first game, so you don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Um, but yeah, it was always nice to to start off with um, a win and also to get three goals as well and a clean sheet. Um, I think that was really positive. And nothing like playing with your home base club, of course, but um, I suppose you're downplaying it a bit there, but the Westerners, I suppose, are kind of, if previews or anything to go off are on the up and up, up, up and up this season. And uh, what's that like knowing the potential of the squad and just trying to hit those targets, I guess? Yeah, um, I suppose this is my first full season with Galway. Um, last year, I 
came back from Australia in July. So joined kind of for the latter half. Um, I actually never played with Galway, even though I'm born and bred here. Um, so I was wasn't to be able to come back and finally play for my hometown. Um, as you mentioned, um, yeah, the team and squad are kind of up and coming. Um, some really young superstars in the squad. Um, and then there's um, a few of what I'll call more experienced players um, <laughs> as well. Um, and then I suppose we have new management as well this season. Um, we've had a good preseason under the belt. And yeah, I suppose the first game um, has been good. And yeah, hopefully we'll bring it on to Saturday against Piemont. A good preseason and a good transfer window too. You guys getting Janice Slattery a big signing, I think, in the league as a whole and keeping Savannah, I think, as well. I keep mentioning, I think that was massive for Galway as well as yourself and a few of the up-and-comers too. It's a real kind of nice blend you have going on there, down there in Galway, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Jen is, she's only a, a kid, but she's amazing. She was uh, unreal for Treaty last year and was banging in the gold. So, yeah, it was brilliant to get her. And, um, yeah, to keep Sav was brilliant. I think she really likes Galway. Um, it's good culture here, uh, good kind of team vibes. And um, it's great to to have her again. And she'll be captain of the side this season. So, um, yeah, we're all just looking forward to it. On that note of the good culture and the good kind of status of Galway um, on the incline as well, uh, you guys were making moves on and off the pitch there last year, appointing um, Ruth Fahey, a former uh, friend of, or a current friend or a former friend of, a former college mate of yours, I'm led to believe, um, as full-time CEO, the first WNL club to do so. Um, what was your reaction, I suppose, to that move in its uh, inception and then kind of what unfolded with her departure? Yeah, um, I think kind of first of all, Ruth as a person, she's like unbelievable. Um, she's very well educated. Um, I went to uh, college with her down in Limerick. She uh, studied law there, and um, I suppose then also to have that football background as well. I thought she was like a perfect fit for for that role that was created. Um, initially when when it first kind of was launched last year, um. I thought it was excellent and uh, for the rest of the clubs, both for the Women's National League, but also I felt for the League of Ireland because there was mm. kind of no such thing um, like that either. Um, so, yeah, I thought the idea and the initiative was really good. Um, unfortunately, it didn't really fold out the way things had planned. Um, but I think potentially in another kind of couple of seasons, um we'd be able to kind of give it a go again. And um, this time I feel like it'd be more of a success. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't sustainable for um, a career for Ruth in terms of wages, et cetera. Um, but like, if it was, I would have every faith um, in Ruth going forward and hopefully she'll be able to come back again when um, it's kind of more feasible from a salary point of view. Yeah, and I think, as you said, it would really um, mark a stance as to where the League of Ireland and the Women's National League would be at if that were to be possible, um, and hopefully it will be going forward. But um, talking earlier with Neve, we were chatting um, the possibility, as we were saying there, of the Women's National League going forward, and maybe the constant professional culture, yet amateur status of the Women's National League. Um you yourself went down to Australia a few few years ago now. Um, what what was that experience like in contrast? Yeah, so I uh, moved over June twenty seventeen um, for um, for work. I work with Microsoft, and fortunately, I was um, given the opportunity to to work abroad in our Sydney office. So um, I moved over, and um, I continued then to, to play football over there as well. Um, for those that don't know, the the Matildas, so the, the women's national team, that's what they're called, um, are, are excellent. Um, and I suppose all sports over in Australia, they, they really give it all with um, everything, the facilities, just everything is great. But the, the standard of, of football over there for women is, is excellent. Um, 
last season I actually got the opportunity to play professionally with Western Sydney Wanderers um so I it was tough I was playing professionally and also still working my full-time job um mm-hmm. so I used to train in the mornings and then um work kind of in the in the afternoon late evening luckily at flexible kind of hours but uh it was really cool to to get that opportunity to to play professionally and live that kind of life um but I suppose yeah I I also kind of lived the full-time life to um my full-time job (laughs) having the best of both worlds then Julian yeah yeah um so then what was what was your reaction I got there with Neve the Sky deal that was recently announced. You know, working with Microsoft, I suppose you would have had a taste of what it's like, kind of trying to balance the two, and even back home here in Ireland. Um, do you think that's a massive step forward for the women's game and the women's national team? Yeah, I think it's a it's a really great initiative that that Sky have put forward. Um, they're a new sponsor, and I think so far they've they've really stepped up. Um, I think it's like. A stepping stone um at the moment i think like it's uh for a handful of players and um for uh, five grand i believe um that are kind of put forward but yeah i i think it's excellent it really is it's a great initiative and i think it's going to open the eyes to other sponsors to other companies who want to kind of get in um around the women's game and then i feel like it'll just keep growing from there do you think there's real potential there, so Julian, um, in relation to that, I'd say, like, sponsorship-wise, but also, like we were talking about earlier with Lynn, there's massive um, attention now on the league, especially, like, it's constantly on the incline, especially, I think, since the dramatics of last season. And I think that's really translated over into the start of this season. Uh, do you think there's a bit of a chance there for, for a real opportunity? Yeah, I I think um, women's sport in general is is kind of getting on on the incline definitely, and I um, feel like a lot of uh, businesses want to get involved, and then I suppose specifically for the women's national league, um, as you mentioned, there was it was kind of a great end to the season last year and. I suppose in previous seasons it was kind of ran away with nearly halfway through the season um but now it's a bit more competitive and it's not kind of completely one or two te- strong teams um so i think that's important as well and then i think the, the even with the league expanding with into 10 teams now with Sligo Rovers coming on board i think that's fantastic um but yeah overall i i do think more eyes are getting aware of it and um as a result i feel like the sponsorships um and all that kind of media related stuff will will keep growing and um obviously that sky deal was for the women's national team but you yourself had over 50 caps when you left for australia that time in 2017 and it was said at the time i believe that you weren't officially retired is that still the case yeah, um, I suppose I, I went over for work and still was uh, playing soccer. I didn't want to hang up the boots for, for the international team. Um, so, yeah, I was flying back um, a few times as, as well before COVID, which was a great opportunity. Um, but, yeah, now that I'm back in Ireland and playing with Galway, um, I hope to to break back into the squad. And uh, creep creep back in off the standby. Um, as you say, back in back in Galway now, having rejoined um amid last season, uh, you won a couple of leagues down in Sydney. Uh, any such goals for for that kind of thing out west? Yeah, I'd hope so. Um, I, yeah, over in, in Sydney it was great. We won the league a couple of times and won, I suppose, the equivalent of the the cup. Um, here, so I'd love to translate that back to Ireland <laughs> and be able to celebrated with friends and family here um obviously they couldn't get over to sydney for for those league um finals and cup finals so yeah that's that's the aim anyway back in galway and uh, you alluded to earlier sligo rovers the 10th team in women's national league 
Um, just before we come on air here, there was a bit of back and forth about about your brother. What's that like, kind of having that relationship uh, within the league with John and yourself, and kind of everybody competing to for the best of the League of Ireland and the Women's National League? Yeah, um, it's uh, it's great that first of all that Sligo have the women's team. Um, like I think the uh, for the northwest of Ireland as well and Sligo being such a big football in town um it was only a matter of time that they that they had a women's team um entered into the league um so yeah I suppose I have a soft spot for Sligo for the men's team anyway and then yeah uh my brother would be telling me to to go easy on on the women's team but um (laughs) we'll see that when when we play them in the league for people that don't know, of course, it's uh, John Russell. Um, we're we're alluding to there, um, with who of course played for Sligo Rovers. But yeah, as we mentioned earlier, you guys were heavily involved with the way the league swung there last season. Um, Neve was saying there's there's a bit of a touch of revenge out for out for this again. Do you think it's a big one for Galway to stake their claim, um, in this league? Obviously, with Piment on the cards, like it's a big one to see where you guys are like looking forward to for this season where you're stood like yeah um I suppose yeah you mentioned last season last uh game there was a bit of an upset where where we beat P-Mount and uh yeah I imagine a lot of the girls will will want to kind of um get a bit of revenge as as you mentioned um (laughs) bring that one up at every opportunity Julie (laughs) I know I know um but yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to to playing the P-Mounter quality team. Um, they have been for the for the past ten years. Um, I myself played with P-Mount before, and um, there it's a great club. Um, and I think it's great that they've been able to continually um have kind of great success every season. But um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a good test for us. Um, for Galway, um, it's only the second game, so. I suppose um, it is a good test to see where we're at. And um, it's like you want to play against the best teams and test yourself um, every week. So I think it'll be good. Um, hopefully it'll be, it'll be good for the outsiders and for people watching on and uh, hopefully be a thrilling game again. I've, I've no doubt about that anyway. So uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens in that one. Thanks for joining us, Julianne, and best of luck. Not a bother. Thanks a million for having me. Now, onwards for our review and preview, courtesy of Sean Comer, who um, is a reporter here at FinalWhistle.ie. Sean, you were watching Athlone Wexford uh, at the weekend, which finished 2-1 in the last year's FAI Cup holders' favour. It looked like a real interesting game, I think, but did it always feel like Wexford were going to pull it back, or do you think Athlone were really pushing on for the win there? Uh, I don't think it started to swing in Wexford's favour until maybe the last 20 minutes, half an hour. Um, I was watching it kind of always expecting them to win, but kind of the longer it went on, the more I thought, oh, maybe this isn't as guaranteed as it was. Um, Athlone were dominating the ball a lot in that game, but there wasn't a lot of clear-cut chances. The one clear-cut chance they got, um, they took advantage of, which was through Emily Corbett right on the brink of half-time. Um, and I don't really know what happened with Wexford. I don't know, maybe they just weren't adequately prepared. Maybe they kind of felt they'd win that game handedly enough and they just kind of got surprised by Athlone who seemed like they were really up for it um, but I suppose it was the sign of a very quality side that they only needed a good 10 minutes or so to win the game I mean um, Dallam Lloyd kick and I believe uh, Lawler got the winner from a corner um, and that all happened within a space of 5 to 10 minutes so yeah it really it just took about 5 or 10 minutes to completely flip the result it was tough for Matlone um, because they played well, I thought, but um, against the quality side like that, when you have so much of the ball, uh, you need to make use of it. And they weren't just they weren't threatening them enough. The one goal clearly wasn't enough. Um, so, yeah, uh, it was a tough result for Atlone to take, but I think there was a lot of positives they could take for the game. Definitely. And Sean, at one or not to be taken for granted this season, as you said, Corbett there was particularly outstanding for the weekend and made the team of the week for her efforts too. But who um, do you think impressed you the most for Athlone and will be maybe impactful for them going forward? 
Uh, well, Gillian Keenan assisted her goal from the right-hand side and she was getting a lot of joy in that right-hand side. I think um, she could be vital. I thought Laurie Ryan, uh, club captain at the base of midfield, had a good game. Um, and new signing Dana Sheriff looked very lively. I think she was linking up with Killian and Corbett a lot. Um, she was linking up very well, kind of playing in that advanced midfielder also. If I had to pick a few players from Athlone who could be vital for them this season, I think those four uh, are the ones that spring to mind. And Ella Malloy, of course, is up to her old tricks there again with the free kick, free kick equaliser sending Wexford spiralling for celebration and then uh, Jess Lawler, Debbie Hunt too, to top it off. But elsewhere, uh, DLR put a young 3D side 5-0 um, down. How much of that do you think had to do with their new signing, Sean? Because they've brought a good few in and surely they'll be crucial for Graham Kelly's side going forward. Yeah, I mean, McKevitt got three assists, so clearly she was very vital to the win. Um, and then Craven also was got a goal. So um, clearly the new signings uh, gave them a bit of a boost in this game in particular. Now they'll obviously have tougher games this season, but um, DLR were in the position last year, which is kind of unusual for any club, really, in the sense that they didn't challenge the big three at all for the title. They were never once in that race, but at the same time were comfortably clear of the rest of the pack. So... Um, I suppose their next step is to try see can they maybe break into that big tree. I know it's a big ask, but um, if they're ambitious, I think that's probably what they're going towards. And um, mm. those three signings will be important to that. I think the fact that two of them have come from three of those, um, two of them have come from two of those big tree clubs, uh, could be important because you know they'll know what it's like to be around um, a winning squad, which is important in any sport. So if they're if they can kind of bring that experience from being around a winning squad to DLR, I don't know, maybe it gives them that little boost they need to kind of get closer to the big tree um, if they maybe pull off a surprise challenge. Yeah, definitely pegged as a lot of people's dark horses, I think, or maybe even for a cup run. But as you said there, yeah, Craven, who we had on at the top of the show there, was brilliant, as well as McEvitt, who, of course, came off the bench. So maybe... Carvery team bond might be the way forward, but as you say, they're a great showing from them, and we have to see will they um break into the the top three. Um, that question kind of remains. But other results then saw shells win out over Bowes one nil in Tulka. Cork City fall victim at home to Galway three uh, nil, and Pima dragged up five against Sligo Rovers in their debut game. Do you think Sean is it going to be tough for Sligo Rovers this year as a new sub coming into the league because? It was mentioned by a few of the guests there earlier that while it is brilliant to see them come into the league, they are quite a young side. They do have a bit of experience sprinkled in there, but maybe maybe it could be tough for them to get a foothold early on this season. Yeah, I think it would be tough for any club in their debut season. I think you saw it a few years ago at Athlone and Bowles in their first season that they kind of found it tough then. Um, and I think for Sligo, it's inevitable that they'll probably experience some growing pains, which is it's totally normal for a club, I think in their first year in any new league. But um, when you're talking about Sligo, you know, their plans for that team are not just this season, you know, they're looking to build, I'm sure, a really good long-term team. And that's just, that's going to take time to build. I mean, it's a very competitive league. There's, It's going to take a while to get to the top of that ladder if they are to get up there. But I think, you know, Sligo, if we're to use the men's team kind of as a template, have been a pretty steadily solid run club for a few years. Um, even when, even now, they're not winning like they were in the early 2010s. They're still very consistent. They're never in relegation battles. You know that they'll usually have a solid season. So if they use that model um, with their women's team, then I'm sure they'll be pretty good in a few years. Um, and I'm sure that the enthusiasm and I imagine that they'll have in Sligo, which is known to be a soccer town, uh, will help that team a lot. So, yeah, I think short term, it's going to be tough. For Sligo Rovers, but long term, I'm sure it's a project to be excited about. As you said there, though, Sean, notoriously a well supported club out here in the West. Um, I was talking to Lynn Craven earlier, and we were talking about how Sligo are looking to set the WNL record for the highest attendance. Um, now, that currently stands at 1,007 spectators, which Cork set down in Turner's Cross last season when they took on Treaty. Um, like that was backed by a lot of you know, local supporters podcasts and even the men's team as well were getting on for people to go to the game. Um, do you think that's probably uh, needed in a club um, that there's both sides of support from the men's and the women's? Um, and of course, social media would have a lot to do with it too. 
Yeah, I think that's that's definitely needed. You kind of see it over with the women's teams in England. I think that, um, say for example, a club like Man City, I know supports their women's club a lot, so they'll, you know, that's just kind of a model to follow. Um, they try to do the two club model quite well, and it works. And their women's team is very successful as a result. Um, so I'm sure that any WNL team should kind of be looking to that to try and copy it. Um, like you mentioned, Cork with their men's team. Um, promoted the women's team a lot and they got that record attendance and for a club like Sligo with already a, I would say a diehard following in the men's game and um, they could easily they could easily get that record if they if they really put the effort into trying to get it and they get the message out there to get down and support that WNL team then I'm sure they'll get there and I know if as I said social media is anything to go off they're really pushing it there and going around to all the schools and giving out tickets and this kind of thing so I suppose we'll have to wait and see come Saturday at two o'clock. But finally then, Sean, looking forward to Series 2's fixtures. Um, as I said, Sligo host CLR at Lone Travel to Bowes. Treaty Clash with Cork. And there's also Galway versus Piedmont. I think that's the one of the big ones of the weekend. But of course, there's Wexford versus Shelburne too. What's the spotlight game of the weekend there for you? There's a lot of um, competition, I think, for it this weekend. Uh, I think it's got to be Wexford Shells, and I think the reasons are obvious. Um, it's a repeat of the Cup Final, Cup Champions versus League Champions. Both are expected to challenge for the league, um, but with all those elements combined, it should be a pretty good game. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see who drops points in that one. I think I'd have to agree with you. That one's at 6pm on Saturday. It could be the one to watch, but also, as I mentioned, the Galway versus Pees uh, will really show us where, where both of those sides stand too and plenty of points up for grabs between the other teams too. Um, but thanks for coming on, Sean. Um, great insight there and um, hopefully we'll have you again, on again sometime soon. Okay, thanks for having me. Yeah, so as I said there, I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. I don't know about you, but uh, for now, though, we're approaching full time in tonight's show. And I'd just like to say thank you to all our guests that appeared from Neve to Lynn, as well as Julianne and Sean, as well as Breffney, our producer there, doing all the behind the scenes work. So be sure and check out the games this weekend and join us again next week to dive into the stories of some of the league's best and brightest, as well as the conclusions drawn from the fixtures that are to unfold this weekend and what you can expect from all 10 teams going forward in the league. I've been Alana Canan. This has been the final whistle.e Women's National League show. Good night.